Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 75 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam, your host, and today's episode is an interview I did with Zoraida Cordova. Uh, Zoraida was actually on the podcast previously, and she returned for a second time to discuss her novel Labyrinth Lost, as well as the second book in the series that she's currently working on. Uh, Zoraida's book is one of the titles that is currently featured in our Holiday Spectacular for our library friends. So you may have seen uh, her face and her jacket cover in the content wire that you received this week promoting her title as being on sale during the Holiday Spectacular. Uh, Zoraida is one of my favorite people I've got to interview uh, over time since we started this little science project of the Professional Book Nerds podcast. Uh, She and I have actually become a little bit of friends on social media, so it was a lot of fun catching up with her and discussing just some little things like having fans of hers uh, get excited to meet her in person while she also is a fan of of other authors that she got to meet. Uh, She discussed her writing process and the importance of social media for an author. Uh, And then we had a little bit of fun at the end of the podcast we talked about the various foods and uh, traditions that we enjoy during the holidays. So I think you'll really enjoy this. Again, I really enjoy talking to Zoraida anytime I get a chance to. So um, if you want to get a hold of us, you can email feedback at overdrive.com. Let us know what you think. Again, uh, previously we asked for you to send us some of your favorite books of the year, and we're creating a list of those. So feel free to email us those. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can find Zoraida's work at overdrive.com, or you can click the link in this particular podcast to find her books. Um, that That's it. Not going to keep you too long. I hope you're having a lovely holiday season, and I hope you enjoy this episode of the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. Hi everyone, this is your host Adam Sokol, and today I am joined by Zoraida Cordova, who was born in Ecuador and raised in Queens, New York. She's the author of the Vicious Deep Trilogy, the On the Verge series, and Labyrinth Lost. And much like me, she loves black coffee, snark, and still believes in magic. And she also was on our podcast once before, so Zoraida, it's great to hear from you again, and thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me, I'm so excited to be back. I love being able to talk to people more than once because I feel like when I first meet authors, there's the kind of like getting to know each other and I'm never super <laughs> sure how much I can ask them. So I'm really excited to get to kind of chat. Uh, ask anything. Okay, we're like, we're like BFFLs now. Well, we follow each other on Twitter, so it's not, a, I'm just and, saying. And Instagram. And so Instagram. We're so connected that it's almost creepy. Um, (laughs) So for our listeners who might be new to the podcast since last time you and I chatted, can you give them maybe a brief introduction to Labyrinth Lost? Sure. Uh, Labyrinth Lost is the story of a girl. She is a witch. She is a bruja. Bruja is the Spanish word for witch. 
she doesn't want to be a witch, so she casts a spell, a curse, to get rid of her power. And in doing so, she banishes her entire family to another dimension instead, as you do when you've never used power like that before. As one does, of um, course. And <laughs> as one does. Then uh, she has to go into this other world where her family's banished and get them back with the help of uh, two, two allies slash maybe not allies. Um, and that's part of the mystery of it. So it's fantasy and it's about magical girls with, with awesome kick ass powers. And then, so something that I didn't ask you last time about Labyrinth Lost is you mm-hmm. built this whole world, which is amazing, and I still can never comprehend when I talk to authors that you're able to build an entire world. Um, but I've had a bunch of authors tell me that in order to kind of do that, if they're writing a fantasy story, they'll actually create maps that they'll use as a reference point. Um, uh-huh. I-, I remember you telling me that a lot of times you'll you'll write drafts uh, without like using a full um without really like breaking out the whole story in advance so do you create maps or anything like that to kind of give yourself a frame of reference or is that something that happens after your stories are written it it happened for this book specifically it happened after my story had already been written just because originally the concept of los lagos which is the the other world where she goes so the book the first like 90 pages of the book are in brooklyn and uh, after she casts the curse and she goes to Los Lagos, I wanted that word, world to be kind of malleable. Like, the whole point of it is that there's this, there's this power that this woman, this uh, witch who lives in Los Lagos, and she's sort of taken over. And the point of the world is that power, sh- the land, the landscape shifts as power shifts. So in my head, I wasn't, I knew what her, what her, um, her challenges were going to be. Sort of like, like Hercules is, is a, his quest that he has to go through, uh, or his trials. She has uh, Alex also has to go through similar trials to get her family back. So as she's going through the land, I knew what the trials were and who the people she was encountering. But first draft, I had no idea where everything was placed. <laughs> and so, it, so, so my editor was like, I thought that they were. I thought that they were just on this side of the of the world. How are they on this side now? Or like, where? <laughs> how long have they been walking that they've reached this place already? Um, and so those are a lot of those are like the technical things that you have to do when you're cleaning up the draft and and making sure that the description is there. Um, so even though like the world is still shifting with power, but for the for the sake of the map, we have to give the map as it currently is. So I commissioned an artist named Catherine Scully, um, and she she translated the world for me, and it's in the book now. I mean, I mean, the nice thing about when you're creating your own kind of fantasy world, like you mentioned, you know, the, the beginning of the book is in Brooklyn, and obviously you have to be somewhat realistic when you're saying traveling through, you know, going through Brooklyn, you're not going to be able to be like, yeah, she got from X to Y in five minutes. People are going to be like, no, that's impossible. Yeah. There's there's trains and all sorts of things. Whereas in your own world, you can say, no, 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 this is how travel works. And I, I, I can just go ahead and yeah. say what I want because I've created this. Yeah. There's my world. She can do what she wants. Yeah, exactly. Well, it, has to, it still has to function like within, like magic has to have rules. Otherwise there's just plot holes everywhere. Which there were plot holes everywhere, so I'm, I'm glad that we, we fixed a lot of the things. Um, but creating a map is really awesome because, like, I I like to think of myself as like an amateur um, artist, 
so I got to draw like a little bit um, of the the bones, which is what I do with the with the the draft anyway. I draft out the bones of the novel, and then you just kind of layer with with things. And okay, so something else I want to ask. This actually came up when I was oh. chatting with um, Lee Bardugo, who I believe I've seen you reading some of her books. Um, yeah. Who we debuted I, the same year. She's awesome. Yeah, she's fantastic. <laughs> and something I asked her, um, she has a lot of people that I see on her social media. I feel like half my job is following authors creepily on social media, so I'm sorry. Well, you words. have to. You have to stay up with the times. Like, they're, like, like gone are the days of, of like hoarding yourself in your house like S.G. Fal- uh, like J.D. Salinger. You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> you gotta... You're, you're out there. I actually have a question about that in a little bit too. But something that I asked her, she has a lot of uh, of her fans that will send her like cosplay, like they'll they'll dress up as characters that she's created. Do you have any of your fans who do that who kind of send you either artwork of things that you've done, or they'll send you pictures of them dressed up? Like, do you do you have that same experience of having people kind of send that stuff to you? Actually, not yet. Um, I've seen people dress up like, um, because it's different with the sugar skull thing, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, like, people have been use- putting the cover over their face and just, like, because you know how the chin is cut off on the cover? Yeah. So, I, a lot of libraries have been doing this where they've been putting it on Instagram and tagging me, which is really, really cool, is that they'll, they'll like, finish the little drawing on the chin, on their own chin, and then somebody will hold the book cover over their face. So, like, it's like they're completing the image. Um, and that has been really cool to see across different different libraries um, that they've been doing. When The Vicious Deep came out, I had a, I had a guy, a friend, he dressed up, like, he asked me what my what my main character was. And so my, my main character is a merman mm-hmm. and also a lifeguard. So he came dressed up as a lifeguard. <laughs> There's, like, a, a, a little trident. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. This is really cool. That was awesome. I have to say, speaking of the Labyrinth Lost cover, it is gorgeous, so no pressure on the people who are going to do the artwork for your next book, but they have a lot to live up to. I know. I know. I'm just like, what is it going to be? Because it's different. The the book two is is completely different from book one. So, we'll see. So, last time we talked, it was actually before your book came out. So, since that time, kind of... How has everything been going for you? Are there any, like, fun promotional trips or anything that you've gotten to take? Anything that kind of jumps out since your book came out? Yeah, I did a couple of events. I went, I've been going to the South a lot, like Savannah. I've been going to Georgia a lot. I'm going back to Georgia on Sunday for um, ALAN and NCTE, mm-hmm. uh, which are two library, library and teacher conferences. Um, I did a couple of events in the South. Um, I did a a really awesome conference called NOLA StoryCon, and that was in New Orleans, of course. Mm-hmm. And it was an entire weekend of of just fans um, for, like, Charlene Harris was there, and it was amazing just, like, listening to her talk about, you know, the, like, Sookie Stackhouse books and what she's working on now, and, and just so many authors that write paranormal romance. So I was one of the CYA authors. And the fans at this event were incredible because they were, they basically tried to read books by every attending author. And so, like, if they didn't, they'd be like, I'm so sorry to get you to read your book yet, but I'm excited. <laughs> and I'm like, I totally didn't even expect that. So thank you, like, <laughs> thank you so much. Like, it was just amazing how dedicated a lot of these fans were. 
Um, like they made t-shirts with all of our names on it. It was really cool. Um, so that's, that's really energizing. I feel for, for any writer when you see, when you see people react to your work like that or just be excited for you. And then actually you, you brought up a really good point that I've been thinking of. So when people come to meet you who love your books, they kind of have that like fangirl fanboy moment where they're like, oh my God, I, I love everything you've done. So you're an author in the YA yeah. world and I know that the YA community is amazing and very interactive and, and very supportive of each other. So are there any any authors you've gotten to meet where you had the chance to kind of fangirl over recently, like kind of doing that same thing that, that your fans do when they meet you? <laughs> yeah, um, so I got to meet Mary Pearson. Mm-hmm. Um, I met her at an RT very, very briefly, RT's Romantic Times Book Lovers Convention uh, this year. And, but it was very brief because there's so many authors there. So uh, this trip, I think it was during, it was Yalsa, um, I think, this couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And, and we were at dinner together. And I was like, don't be weird. Don't be weird. <laughs> telling myself, like, don't be a weirdo. Um, but finally, I just like I sat next to her, and I was like, "Mary Pearson, um, can I ask you how to pronounce some characters from your book because I love it?" <laughs> oh, that's amazing! So, um, yeah, I was just like, "I'm not going to be weird. I know you're having dessert because <laughs> you don't, you know, like you never want to interrupt somebody when they're eating." Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but she was so sweet and gracious, and her I don't know if you've read her her trilogy. Um, uh, the Kiss of Deception I have not. is the first book. So it's 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 an epic fantasy. It's super cool. It's one of the like I read. I think it's like four hundred and something pages, or almost five hundred. I read it in a day. <laughs> like I didn't move. I didn't move from. I was supposed to be at work. I didn't even move. I was just sitting there, just reading. Oh, that's um, amazing. Yeah. So I, I got to chat with her, and I I, I fangirled over her a little bit. So that was exciting for me. That's, that's, see, don't feel bad ever about, first off, don't ever feel bad about that, but I get, to, because, no. because I get to chat with everybody that I love their books, I get to do, before I actually start recording, I get to do the whole, like, 10, 15 minutes of freaking out and getting it yeah. out of my system, and then I'll just tell the authors, like, all right, bear with me, I have several questions that I won't be asking you on the podcast, but tell me everything, and then I can move on to the actual question. <laughs> so I, I am very lucky I get to do that basically, like, at least once a week. Um, yeah, I met when I, I met Meg Medina, um, uh, uh, I forgot what event it was, but I was basically like, I didn't even know how to talk to her because like, she's so amazing. And mm-hmm. her book, uh, Yaki Delgado wants to kick your ass. Mm-hmm. is so smart. And I was like, I'm from Queens and you wrote about Queens and this is the first time I've read it where somebody knows the area and like, it feels like it. And so I also freaked out a little bit around her. So. <laughs> That was nice. Okay, so you mentioned the whole J.D. Salinger hold up in a in a room thing, and mm-hmm. I was thinking about this actually yesterday. The idea of being an author in today's world is so strange to me because you spend weeks and months and sometimes more than that on like this solitary task of, of writing a story and trying to hide from the world while you do it. But then nowadays you're also expected to have a social media presence and then once your book is written you're expected to go on publicity tours and do the exact opposite of not seeing a, a single soul. You have to interact with all these people who, who love your book. So for you, do you have a part of the writing process that you like better than than something else or maybe just what is your you know how do you feel about 
being asked in one sense, all right, go hide in a room and don't interact with anybody. But at the same time, always interact with everybody. And then we're going to throw you out in front of a bunch of people. Well, I think that it's, there's like a steady stream of, of interaction that goes on while, throughout the writing process, at least for me. I know some authors completely go silent on social media. I mean, I've tried, but I'm always like, but who's Instagram and what are they doing? <laughs> like, I follow Lee as well on Instagram and she bu- she buys these like crazy bath bombs. Yes. And I'm like, what bath bomb did Lee buy today? You know? <laughs> I do the same thing, by the way. <laughs> My wife's always like, are you looking at that woman's bath bomb thing again? I'm like, it's not weird. They're really cool. It's not weird. She's an author, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad you brought that up. Yeah, yeah. So um, that, or like, I I know other friends, like Morgan Madsen, she she always like has pictures of her dog. And like, so it it becomes like a a thing that you look forward to, to seeing your, your author's um, on their Instagram, like, what is, because you don't, it's kind of like you become part of the writing process at that time. Like, you're with them, or you're, you know, the reader is with us while we're drafting, because we'll take pictures of our coffee or our cocktails when we're having a really bad day. <laughs> um, and, and so, like, that, I feel like that, for me, I'm, I'm pretty comfortable with, um, just because I've had social media since, like, I was a youth. Um, and so, it's, it's something that I've already been adapted to, but I feel like authors that didn't grow up with that, um, who might be a little bit older, they're just like overwhelmed with all of the social media. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, like for me, my favorite is Instagram. I just like, I love Instagram. It's super cool. And I like taking pictures of my process. Like this is my word count for the day, or this is the, the page I'm on. Or sometimes like I'll take pictures of little like lines um, you know, that line might get cut down the line, but the people who follow me are able to see it mm-hmm. and they can see that process. Um, I, in my, in my, when I was 18 and trying to become an author, I thought that I was going to be like writing in a cabin, not talking to anyone. <laughs> and then the book comes out and then I'll still not talk to anyone. Cause like the mystery of who an author is, like, I just had no idea, you know, like who, um, um, it's but now there's it's like kind of like the curtain is down and like you get to see who the wizard is. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> uh, so being an author has changed a lot from from back in the day where all you had to do was write and not kind of uh, um, promote yourself, you know. Mm-hmm. And some people some people like it, some people don't. It's not for everybody, but um, it's I like it. I think it's fun. I just like meeting people. I just like talking to other other humans. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, like, I know that I'm in a very unique position because I get to talk with all these authors of the books that they're reading. But I I love seeing authors that I love interacting with each other on social media. Like, it's one thing yeah. to, to see. Like, it's one thing if you respond to me on Twitter. That's great. I love that I have the ability to interact with people whose books I enjoy reading. But for, there's something about seeing, like, like you and Lee, like seeing you tweet at each other and re- get responses. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's this funny thing where, <laughs> I guess it's the same thing with, like, people think about it, like, on, at, with athletes on, on Twitter and social media. Like, it's just fun to be like, oh, my yeah. God, those people that I, that, I, that I read their books, look at they're real people just like me. Like, it's just, yeah. it's just really fun <laughs> to see and... <laughs> did you do that? Um, did you see the Oreo scandal of 2016? Um, I wait. Be, be more specific. <laughs> the, there's a we had a like a, a it was a Becky 
basically a bunch of us try to be slick. It was Adam Silvera, Danielle Clayton, um, Angie Thomas, and we were trying to troll Becky Albertalli uh, <laughs> because Becky doesn't believe in golden Oreos uh, because of, you know, Simon versus the Homo Sapiens agenda. Uh-huh. Um, so we try to start a hashtag called Golden Oreo Trolls and just like tweet photos of her. Oh uh, my god. Tweet photos to her of Golden Oreos. Um, and it backfired on us because like we, we planned this for like 12 hours, right? <laughs> That's amazing. And if you go on Twitter, if you go on Twitter and click on hashtag Golden Oreo Trolls, you can see like the feed. But then she, she like took a photo of like regular Oreos and made this beautiful display. And, and she was like, uh, RT, like, retweet this tweet with, like, with uh, original Oreos, and you can win one of the, one of, one of, a book by one of these, like, golden Oreo trolls. <laughs> <laughs> she, she just, like, turned it back on it. It was so much fun. Like, it's, that kind of thing is what I really appreciate about the YA community, because, like, everybody just wants to have fun and, like, you know, play around with each other and just be friendly. Oh man, I I may or may not be looking at this hashtag as we're talking. It's a horrible thing to do as a interviewer, but I'm 100 percent looking at all these. No, uh, this is so it's research. Um, research. This is so good. Um, all right, I'm gonna get us back on task. Oh, I'm gonna spend so much time looking at that later. Um, so we're recording this during November. People will be hearing it in December, but. Uh, November is National Novel Writing Month, and I know that you're on deadline, but in the past, have you ever participated in National National Novel Writing Month? Or, I guess since you're on deadline, you're technically probably doing NaNoWriMo. I am technically doing it. So, I, I've been doing NaNo since, like, 2009. <laughs> I've, uh, it's, it's, uh, when I thought, I think one of my college friends told me about it. It's like, look at this cool thing. Um, and I finished my, my draft of A Vicious Deep, um, during a nano because I had already I already had uh, 70,000 words but I was like it's not done and so I I, I used I did nano and mm-hmm. I finished it so that book was originally 120,000 words and because I wrote the 50 50 in a month that counts um, but then we but then we cut 40 so like <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was bananas um, anyway so like it's I've been doing nano for a long time I I know there's some authors that really don't like it like, like you should nobody should tell you how much to write I was like, okay, but you're missing the point. Like, the point is just to get a draft out right. for people who have a hard time drafting without looking back. Um, and I think there are a lot of great uh, benefits to, to having a, a draft. It's a, a shitty first draft. That's what we've called it forever. Right. And and it's it's not saying like, okay, you hit you you hit you you reach your fifty at the end of on November thirtieth go send this draft to an agent. Nobody right. does that. Like, that's the opposite of what you should do. But there are a lot of writers who, um, I can't think of their names right now, but I've seen people on Twitter get their agent with in, like, January with a book that they wrote in November and edited in December, and then they start acquiring in January and got an agent. Like, it's, it's a, it helps people do a certain process. Um, I try to do a crazy thing and to do like every month of this year since February to do a nano for myself. Oh my god! So like, yeah. So it would be like um, March, April, May, and I, I got a lot of work done. I got like three half books um, just writing, just to just to get work out because um, I was I felt like in a little bit of like a rut, uh-huh. and so um, I started a Tumblr called Novel a Month. 
and I was trying to write a novel a month. But I didn't, I didn't, even though I didn't complete a full novel, I did, I completed half of a novel, which we sold a couple weeks ago. Uh, it's a romance series. I think you saw it on mm-hmm. Instagram. Um, so that was kind of cool. <laughs> so I was actually. And I'll be writing under a pen name. I was gonna say I wanted to ask you about that. So you're gonna be writing. You're gonna be writing mm-hmm. romance novels under a pen. Are you? Can you tell us any more about that other than that, or no? No. Yeah. Um, what do you want to know specifically? Like, because you know the pen name. The pen name is a Zoe Castile. Right. Um, I wanted to keep my initials, and some of my family members call me Zoe, so it was. It's not really a stretch. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess my question would be, I mean, you're, you're most well known for doing young adult novels. Um, mm-hmm. But like you said, I, I saw in the past few days, because I creep on your social media, um, <laughs> you're going to be writing some adult romances as well. So is that, um, I don't I actually don't even know, just is there, was it by design to try and reach a different target audience? Or was it Market? just more you um, wanted I think to? It was because I... I would like at some point I want to write middle grade in the future, mm-hmm. and so um, I want to be able to um, I want to be able to stay in as a writer Cordova for kids books, um, but I also wouldn't want like a ten year old googling my name and finding like my series about male strippers. <laughs> so. <laughs> It's like my magic, my retelling. Oh man, um, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, so I that I, that was a decision so that like I don't have like ten year olds finding this book, which I mean, you know, it's it, YA. There's a lot of crossover in, in in the readership. Like I was reading Nora Roberts when I was a teen, so it's. But I wasn't reading Nora Roberts when I was twelve. <laughs> <laughs> so it's there's like a difference, and um, and so I just wanted to keep those books a little bit separate. Um, and it's kind of fun to have a pen name, I think. Like, you having two personalities. Not, not, it's not personalities, but it's, like, two... It, it, just, like, two different... Two, two personas, kind of like Beyonce and Sasha Fierce, I guess. Yeah. And, I mean, honest. I mean, J.K. Rowling... If J.K. Rowling can do it, I think anyone can do it. And, I mean, there's no... Yeah. Even if... You, you make a, a, a perfect... I, I Something I never... I literally never thought of. I'm sure this is probably the same reason why J.K. Rowling did it. It's, like, if you have a young fan who who does a search for your name it's probably best that they just find the stuff that's appropriate for them so that is that actually i don't know how i never thought of this that is probably the main reason people do pen names like always and i'm just now like as soon as you said it it was like a light bulb went off that that makes a lot of sense um okay so about NaNoWriMo i actually had one more question for you on on that mm-hmm. at least we talked last time that you're a big fan of like Buffy and Xena and Pan's Labyrinth and things like that and I know that a lot of people for NaNoWriMo as a way to get an idea out they'll use an existing universe to create their own story so mm-hmm. what existing universe it could be a comic it could be a tv show but what one would you use to write your own story in like uh, like a, a different story. Yeah, to to create. I mean, it can yeah. be with the characters that are that are in there. You know, like I know that, you know, like Marissa Meyer does a lot of fairy tale retellings, that kind of thing. But what... she does. Yeah, um, I would probably use. I mean, I I know that like there are a lot of Greek stuff, but I really love Greek mythology. Uh-huh. Um, I love it a lot. Um, I would also. I'd also think of doing something in like a. I've never I've never written sci-fi, so like something like a Firefly kind of world would be really fun for me. 
um, I would I would want to set a book in, in like like a, a space opera like that. Uh huh. I like that. Mm-hmm. You should. What about you? Ooh, you should put like the brujas in in space kind of like jump. yeah brujas in space <laughs> <laughs> i just I gave, gave you a title that writes it, that writes itself i think basically <laughs> <laughs> um so okay so last time we talked i actually i mentioned to you there is one of my favorite scenes in labyrinth lost talks about like the importance of the food and culture and family and because we're recording this during the start of the holiday season i was curious <laughs> are there any certain types of food that you look forward to during the holidays anything traditional your family does or just stuff that you really love towards the end of the year so on um it's it's not like a christmas thing um it's uh in during on the day on all saints day uh-huh. um uh, which is November. technically uh, it's also the the Day of the Dead in Mexico. Um, we in Ecuador we make this this like purple kind of porridge thing. It's not porridge. It's like it's like a drink, and and it has like pineapples and cherries and blueberries and and it's just like it just looks like it looks purple, and it's called colada morada, which is means purple. I don't know. I don't know the colada like. Uh-huh. I don't really know another word. For yeah, it. I think colada um, is just a universal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like this purple drink, and it's sweet. And we only make it during all, like during the Day of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and so my, I completely forgot. Like we, my on Facebook, like my family members, we were all writing on my grandmother's wall. <laughs> and we we're like, "Can you make this, please? Can you make it?" Like nobody's not gonna make it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I got, I got a little tub of that that my family sent over because they, they all live in Long Island and I live in Manhattan. Uh-huh. So like I, I, I was able to get some. Um, that and my mom for my mom for Thanksgiving always makes um, we call it Ecuadorian stuffing but I don't really know what makes it Ecuadorian. <laughs> <laughs> I just know like it, it's just not out of the box I guess. Uh-huh. Um, and so she and it has like raisins and all kinds of things and like olives and, and she, it's really good. So like my, the stuffing that my mom makes for the turkey on Thanksgiving, um, and for Christmas, my mom makes uh, pernil, which is like roasted pork. Okay. With a and my aunt, my aunt knows how to make it. So like the skin on the top is super crispy, and uh, and we have that on top of with like cranberries and and like uh, corn. My mom makes a corn pudding as well. Um, but I'm hungry now. <laughs> I was just going to say, I probably shouldn't have asked you this question at lunchtime when we're talking. That was my fault. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, so we make a lot of cool things. The only thing, the literal only thing I'm allowed to make is cranberry sauce. <laughs> like, because they don't, they don't trust me in the kitchen just because, like, I, I, like, my cousins have learned to cook, but I don't know how to cook a lot of things. I recently learned how to make, um, sopa boyo, which is chicken noodle soup. Uh-huh. And and so I, I learned how to make it the way my mom makes it. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm so good. You can trust me to make other things. <laughs> and they're like, no, just stick to the cranberry sauce. Oh, I'm my like, God. Fine. But do you, you... I will make the best cranberry sauce. I was, was going to say, do you do... It's real cranberry sauce you make, right? Not like cranberry Absolutely. out of a can. Okay, I was just... Ma- yeah, no, I... I get it. I get some. I get some like brandy. I put it in. Some like like I I I go all out for the cranberry sauce, and nobody can tell me anything. <laughs> oh, okay. I was making sure. I was gonna be very upset if you're like. So I get cans of like the cranberry jam, like the no. gelatinous garbage. Uh, that okay. stuff was so weird. I've never had that before in my life. <laughs> oh, it's so upsetting. I, I'm like you. I'm a big fan of making real cranberries. So I was gonna be very yeah. sad if that's what you told me. 
Um, all right, so getting back to the book part of the podcast, I suppose I should actually ask you oh, book yeah, questions. Yeah. Um, so normally we do on the on the podcast, we offer up some book recommendations. So are there some books and authors that you've been reading recently that our listeners might be interested in finding some of their titles as well? Okay. Well, um, I, I haven't been doing a lot of reading because I'm on deadline. But when I'm on deadline, since I write fantasy, I read contemporary. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I'm I, going to recommend uh, I'm Not Your Manic Pixie Dream Girl by Gretchen McNeil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Gretchen usually writes thrillers. But uh, for this book, this is her contemporary debut. And it's about a girl who's uh, she's like a math whiz. Um, and she she gets dumped her boyfriend dumps her for like this like magical dream girl that comes that moves to the school mm-hmm. so because she's like a math scientist person she's like she figures out like the manic pixie formula and she applies it to herself and she reinvents herself <laughs> and she realizes that being like not everything is as it seems when when you're this kind of girl and like what does it mean to be a kind of girl to begin with mm-hmm. so it's really rad and like feminist and awesome um and the second book that I, I, I'm reading now, which is a debut for next year, from March 2017, um, and it's called Done Dirt Cheap, and it's by a uh, debut author, Sarah, Sarah Nicole Lemon, and it is basically, it is some of the most beautiful writing I've ever read. It's contemporary, and it's uh, Thelma and Louise meets uh, Sons of Anarchy. That's so amazing. It's like two badass girls on motorcycles, like, in like a motorcycle gang and like, and they're best. Like, it's, it's just, it's really lush, really beautiful. It takes place in like Appalachia area, which I know nothing about. So it's like kind of Americana in a, in, in a certain, in a way, like seeing part of the country that is never told in YA novels. That sounds really, really interesting. I will definitely be checking that yeah. out. <laughs> I may have to use some of my sources to get myself an advanced reader copy of that. It's from, yeah, it's from Amulet Books. I, done and done okay i have one last question for you because i know you're on deadline but um are you able to tell us at all about the second book in uh the sequel to labyrinth lost at at all can you share anything about it i can tell you i so there's no official copy yet but i'll i'll just give you a little preview um it is so book two of labyrinth lost is still untitled but it is about uh lula mortiz lula is alex's older sister mm-hmm. uh, and in book and in book one Alex kind of suffers from she gets attacked by a demon creature and so she has like scars on her face now and so it takes place six months after Labyrinth Lost ends and she's having her own you know like who am I crisis mm-hmm. and the only thing I can say is that it's an undead love story um, and it takes place in Brooklyn well, <laughs> that's I, for one, cannot wait to read it. And Zoraida, like I said, I know that you're very busy, so I very no, much appreciate I appreciate you so much taking some time and, and catching up with me yeah, and, and doing the podcast. Me. Absolutely. All right, I will let you go and do your writing. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. I look forward to Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can add these titles to their collections and marketplace. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.